in the 21st century, the world searches for answers to the questions that really affect our lives. Does anyone know an anagram for gonad dream? To debate the topics that really matter. Star Trek is in a good place right now. Yeah, I can't agree with you on that one. And be brave enough to state the truth. Movies just don't end that way. Three men dare to face what others fear. James. Oh yeah, I, di- I didn't need that image. Jesse. Uh, I was thinking God or dog. Joash. I want Stan Lee to be the one to wield the Infinity Gauntlet and destroy Thanos. If you hunger for knowledge, if you thirst for wisdom, if you're looking for a podcast that will make all your wildest dreams come true, you've come to the wrong place. You're listening to the Anti-Matter Hour. Okay, that here we are. Hello. So, what were you saying, Jamie should do? Jesse? Well, what, what were you saying he should do? Uh, you said. Well, he 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 he. I mean, basically, I was saying that uh, his communication skills could do some work, and he offered right. to insert the microphone in himself. Right. And I was just thinking. I mean, if if you could videotape yourself, if you could videotape, <laughs> I was if thinking... you could record yourself doing that. Yeah, and that was James's offer to help his communication skills. And I was thinking that maybe uh, he would be communicating more effectively if he did that thing where he holds his hand out in front of him in a fist. And then he uses his other hand and turns the little crank until the middle finger <laughs> fully extends. You know, like the yeah, the or, or there's Would, the uh, there's the other one where communicating more effectively. <laughs> There's the other one where you hold up your hand uh, with all your fingers extended, and then you use your other hand oh, yeah. bend, as bend a down. gun, and you and you shoot oh. you shoot the other fingers down. Pew, yep. pew, pew. <laughs> man, man, man! You guys are weird. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I just that's... made a simple suggestion that I should put a microphone microphone inside my body. And you guys took it to to something weird. Yeah, totally, totally weird. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I just said I should insert a microphone inside my body, and then you guys cross the line. <laughs> so what's going on, guys? Oh man, well, uh, I I had my first experience with edibles recently. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a good story. You should you should tell it. How did how did that, as you yeah, want. How did that go? So I was I was cleaning uh, the uh, the petty knife, which is kind of the shorter chef's knife, uh, in my kitchen, and I stabbed myself in my hand, rather violently, and had to go to the emergency room. Thankfully, no permanent damage. It just hurts like the dickens. And um, to deal with the pain, I decided to forego uh, opioids. And to try edibles, since we're here in in Oregon, and um, up until now, that was the only thing that's legal. Now, pretty much anything is legal in a small yeah. enough dose. But anyway, um, so I went to a dispensary and just got a little container of um, edible gummies, and I gotta say that uh, it worked really well. Not so much in, I, I didn't feel high because the 
ratio was fairly low. It was uh, 1 in 20 ratio, meaning for every 20 milligrams of CBD, there was 1 milligram of uh, THC. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it put me to sleep, and it uh, helped me to at least be able to sleep and not feel the pain during that time, so that was pretty nice. Yeah, so nice. Did, did you get... Did you get the, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but did you get the the, uh, the Indisa or the Sativa? Indica? I think it's Indica. In, indica, I'm not, okay. I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I didn't look too much into it just because, you know, this was a first time, so I wanted to try something with a lower dosage. We're, we're going to get, like, way in over our heads here, but uh, because... Uh, I don't think any of us are remotely uh, <laughs> experts on the subject, but um, I have read and talked to some people who say they know, and I, my what I know of these people indicates that they would, would know what they're talking about. Um, and the whole indica and sativa thing is kind of like a, I don't know if you call it a myth or urban legend or not sort of a pseudoscience like um, chemically they're basically completely identical they're just basically two different leaf structures like with the plant itself but yeah i mean i mean like like yourself I, i'm no expert um i did obtain some gummies earlier on in this whole you know pandemic situation and uh, i was led to believe that I think it was the sativa is what you use if you sort of want more of a active creative experience and the indica is what you use more if you want more of a relaxing uh mellow sleepy experience that must be what i got what i what i purchased was uh they're called wild gummies w-y-l-d mm-hmm. um, yeah, and i got those their, too i got yeah that's st- what i have yeah i got their strawberry variant uh, which is twenty to one CBD to THC. I should write they this make a, down. They make a strawberry variant. I have the yeah. um, I have the Marion Berry variety or Huckleberry. I can't remember which. Josh, are you sure it's not raspberry? Yep. Hmm, I didn't know they made strawberry ones. But yep. um, now that I know that you and you both have the same brand uh, as as I do, um, that must mean that it's the dominant brand in our marketplace and that's the maybe i should uh, look into investing in that company (laughs) well i I don't know anything about that the reason why i got these is because um this is essentially the same company that makes wild roots uh flavored and infused vodka yeah the vodka that's got so much flavor in it that you know it's the color of the berry like you get raspberry you get the raspberry version and it's red and is it uh, is it infused or is it like a uh, bad taste. I, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but there's a lot of berries in it, and the same is true for these gummies. Uh, they taste like the berry more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's my experience also. So that's interesting. Yeah. But you, James, anything new? Uh, if you've been uh, doing a lot of edibles lately. No, uh, actually, I've tried, uh, I, I got three different types, the types I mentioned earlier, I've tried one of each, uh, but that was back in like April or May or something, I haven't tried any since, I need to get around to it again, I guess. 
Yeah, no, I haven't either. But that was that was just my lame attempt at a segue to into into you. Uh, if there's anything new going on with you, right? Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything new. Um, uh, I can think of uh, some shows I've been watching. That's about it. Oh, well, we should talk about a lot of shows. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'm. I'm sure everybody's got a few uh, shows they're watching um, I recently uh, I recently started blogging well not actually blogging uh, I, I started the blog like doing the technical like the design and uh, sort of implementation of the blog and it's Laura's Laura's blog for the flower shop <laughs> oh did they finally uh, or did you finally convince them to you know venture into the uh, 19th century. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The 19th century. Um, <laughs> you mean it, the late 20th century? It's, it's only a blog, but it's uh, uh, um, it's going to be the doorway to hopefully better, like you know, sort of business uh, analytics or you know, web traffic and stuff like that. So, but it's interesting. It was very uh, easy, like easier than I ever would have imagined. Uh, everything's just sort of fill in you know manually you know visually pick what you want things to look like and fill in what you want them to say and, and then you know the, the actually creating the blog post is probably harder than creating the blog itself <laughs> so that was fun spent quite a bit of time in the last week sort of just messing around with that what platform are you using do you remember the name of it Wix Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, tried, actually tried free accounts on, on pretty much every major platform, and Wix for me was the most intuitive and most flexible and easiest. So, yeah. So there we go. <laughs> I, I uh, can't speak to anything about the product itself, but I believe it's a it's a hosted blog. Uh, you might want to make sure that you peer periodically back up the data occasionally. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Since it doesn't doesn't live on your own machines or anything. Right. Just you know, it'd be prudent. It's a good idea. It's a good tip for those of you listening. If you have your own blog or thinking about starting one. Are you talking to those of us that are listening? Yes. Yes, I am. Ah, okay. Good. Wait, wait, wait. What did you just say? I wasn't listening. <laughs> hey. Well, I wasn't talking to you obviously oh good good so uh yeah the, the most mostly uh just business as usual but um but i mentioned that and uh yeah do we want to talk do we want to talk about uh any uh new shows we've been watching lately well i i'd like to talk about the uh reboot of uh, the animaniacs has well, anyone I, else been watching that? I haven't seen any of it yet. No, I, I, I have it. not either. Well, I still want to talk about it. So Go I'm ahead. Gonna. Do it. Uh, did anybody watch the, the the original one from, I believe, 1993 to 1998? Oh, yeah. I've probably watched a handful of episodes, but I was not like a regular watcher. Anyway, it was... Uh, uh, I can't remember if it was part of any... Um, like... It was like an after-school uh, th thing, I, I believe. Uh, yeah. Like, like, a, like a weekday afternoon type of thing. Uh, probably, uh, I think it was from the era of like uh, uh, Tiny Toons and um, 
think Bonkers, I think, was one of them. Now, was, that, was that a Nickelodeon uh, thing? No, it's a WB thing, oh, WB. which um, which I, I believe the channel was called WB back in the day. Yeah, it was before it became CW. CW. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, the reboot is on Hulu. It's a Hulu exclusive. And they got uh, all the voice actors for the uh, Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister, plus Pinky and the Brain. So it's all the same voice actors. Um, and I've watched, let's see, three, four, three or four episodes so far. I believe there's 13 in total. Uh, they, they just you know dumped them all out there at the beginning rather than releasing them one at a time. Oh, uh, yeah. So and those... I like what I've seen so far. For those of us that are not Animaniacs uh, watchers, either classic or reboot, uh, what's the premise of the Animaniacs? So, uh, back in the uh, so the '90s show, it's, it's produced or, or or something by Steven Spielberg. He's involved, and the cartoon, the premise of the it's the it's Yakko, Wacko, and Dot are the are the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister. Oh. And there are these. They never they never say what they are. They're, they look like sort of like dog puppy things. Um, they're an animal of some sort. Yeah, I mean they have they have ears, sort of like sort of like Goofy's ears in a way. Uh, anyway, uh, and the basic premise of, of that show is of. Uh, uh, I, I think there's I think the I think the first episode back in the '90s had like a backstory where. In the in the golden age of Warner Brothers Studios, the actual like movie studio lot, uh, they created these cartoon characters, but the, they were too too wacky or too zany, and they wrecked havoc on the lot. And they, they finally managed to lock them in the the water tower on the Warner Brothers lot, mm -hmm. uh, and there they remained until 1993. Uh, somehow, uh, they got they, they got let loose, and then you know that's the premise of the show basically. And now they're uh, wreaking, and then they were wreaking havoc in the at that time present day uh right um and uh the, the thing about the show is uh yeah, yeah it's a cartoon it's made for kids sure but it had a lot of topical humor i mean they made fun of like uh at the time president clinton a, a lot <laughs> um and just uh, a lot of like of you know current like tv shows and and current events and things like that were, were, were made fun of um uh, I don't know what else to say delightful. about it, really. And then there was the uh, the, the pinky and the brain was uh, so so the episodes back then uh, were divided into like three or three parts usually two or three parts, and there was there was always one part that was you know f focusing on the 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 animaniacs the, the Warner Brothers and sister, but then there was a there was a uh, what do you call it a side cast or a um, cast of recurring characters or something. Yeah. Uh, and so sometimes uh, uh, you'd, you'd see an episode featuring Pinky and the Brain, which I'll talk about later, or uh, there was a, <laughs> there was Slappy the Squirrel was was one, um, and a few a, a few other things. Um, except for Pinky and the Brain, those those other characters aren't a part of this reboot. They're not in this the new one. Uh, but well, sounds, uh, sounds lovely. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the the actual reboot itself 
Well, the uh, the first episode, the first part of the first episode, you know, sort of reintroducing them after a 22-year hiatus, <laughs> I thought was like was like pure gold. I mean, I, it was like one of the best things ever. Uh, so I, I said Steven Spielberg was basically a producer or something of this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, is is a producer of it. So, uh, and I also said that uh, the show I think aired in 1993. Uh, it's also the same year. That's the year that Jurassic Park came out. Right. Oh gosh. So episode one of the reboot of the Animaniacs, uh, you know that scene from Jurassic Park where uh, they've landed on the island and they, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're driving from the helicopter and the rich guy you know, has them stop so they could you know, and, you know, see, see, you know, see some dinosaurs. Yeah. And uh, I think his name is Dr. Grant and uh, what's, what's, what's the... Oh, the female Dr. Sattler? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're in the Jeep and they do that thing. You remember that scene? Yeah. She uh, stands so up, and he like clumsily takes his sunglasses off, and kind of yeah, there's a, it's a, it's a very extended like slow like take where you just see their reactions before they actually show the dinosaur. Anyway, they do that from the Animaniacs, uh, you know, um, uh, but it, you know it's it's cartoony that you know they they basically play the you know exactly the same, but you know. A little bit different, uh, or, or, you know, a little bit funnier with some, you know, uh, special effects and whatever, mm. or not special uh, sound effects and stuff. But then instead of like an Apatosaurus or whatever dinosaur it was, um, it's the Animaniacs, you know, coming out of the, su <laughs> the sunlight and and uh, yeah, it's uh, anyway, it's, it's pretty funny. Cool. You, you, you got it's funnier to actually see it, obviously. So the whole season has dropped. Have you watched the entire season, or are you just getting started? No, just the first uh, three or four episodes. Oh, cool. So that's um, nice. I, I know it's always fun to be able to like binge something, but uh, uh, I find more enjoyment when I watch maybe a couple episodes at first and then pace myself, even if it's you know the entire season's been dropped. So hopefully you get yeah, it's some best good to, enjoyment from that. It's best to spread out the uh, the experience a bit so you don't just waste it all in a single day. That's cool, uh, and it's on Hulu. You said so. I could actually, I have Hulu. I could pop right on it and watch that myself. But would you say it, uh, it's good for someone who didn't watch the original Animaniacs? Yeah, I mean they uh, they're they're even a little bit more self-referential this time around. You know, making you know comments even like two or three episodes in about the fact that they're a reboot, uh, but. Having not, as long as you sort of get the gist of what the original was, I think you'll be fine. Cool. That's neat. Um, although, although you may not appreciate, uh, you know, uh, some things that are just mainstays of the original. Like I mentioned, pinking the brain is a part of every episode now, uh, and that's like a, you know, again, it's a side thing. Technically, the same universe, but the characters don't really interact. Mm -hmm. Pink, pinking the brain are lab mice. Uh, uh, the brain you know, tries to take over the world every single night, and Pinky is his uh, well, side, less intelligent sidekick. Side yeah, <laughs> I think I, I think I've seen Pinky in the brain, but not the broader Animaniacs. So, but uh, it's just, uh, well, Josh, you, uh, you know what I'm talking about with uh, Pinky in the brain. I mean, oh yeah, they the still how... do that thing where like, are you pondering what I'm pondering, yes, Pinky? Sir. I think so, Brain, but I can't find leather pants in all size. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, it's good and recommend it. Yeah. So, Not, uh, 
what else uh, have you uh, been up to anything new that we haven't uh, covered before uh, Joash? so it's interesting because um you're J uh, jimmy you're talking about the animaniacs um my my wife and i got turned on to a movie that we watched the other night with the kids that is similar in its comedic styling it was uh actually um i don't know if you guys have heard of it it's called what's up doc it's uh it stars barbara streisand and ryan o'neill hmm. and a host of uh of um of, oh my goodness it's the name of of character actors that's what i'm trying to say a host of character actors that you would recognize from stuff um it's the first it's the first role uh of madeline Kahn. uh and oh interesting it even, it even has a uh it even has a small appearance uh a, a small part appearance by randy quaid of all people <laughs> um but uh it's basically it's a it's kind of a love letter, a homage or homage to uh, the 1930s um, uh, melodies uh, by Warner Brothers, like Bugs Bunny, stuff like that, that kind of cartoon, except it's all live, it's all live action. And uh, it is essentially, uh, a, it, 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 ha it has a similar structure to something like it's a mad, 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 mad world where you know you have people that are trying to achieve something and things get mixed up chaos ensues lots of slapstick and just funny lines and stuff like that it it was it was a kick in the pants it was a lot of fun so we we saw that and uh also i've started watching the crown oh yeah I've heard on netflix really, really yeah it's uh it's it's pretty good and yeah that's just kind of the stuff that i've been absorbing how about you jesse can i ask you a question uh are, yeah, are yeah. you starting at the well what's what platform was what's up doc uh, do you know what, what platform that was on uh it's on uh amazon and uh it's i think it's like a five dollar rental or maybe oh, it's a two dollar okay. yeah, rental no, or something like that cool. but, yeah no i, I yeah. love amazon for the rentals are always good price uh and uh did you start back uh, at season one of the crown or, is, or are you picking it up because uh, i know they've recently dropped a new season i'm pretty sure i heard oh i, I decided to start at season one. Oh yeah I've, no that makes I, sense uh, i heard it was i heard it was pretty good and so i felt like you know i wanted to give it it's it's due and kind of see and i have to say that um sometimes you'll have a show that was that was thought of as a classic or really good, but the first season or maybe the first half of the first season kind of really wasn't all that good. It was still finding its legs, <laughs> that sort of thing. But this one started out pretty, pretty good. Um, it's not really an action movie. You know, it's kind of a historical fiction. Sure. Like, well, I mean, it's based on history, but who knows how much of it is dramatized and whatnot. So, but you've got strong actors and, um, I think uh, the what the one name that comes to mind is um, uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, who is the husband to the current queen, uh, is played by um, Matt Smith. Oh. So Doctor Who fans will be familiar with that name. 
the eleventh Doctor. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. It is good quality acting. You know, excellent cinematography, um, and it's an interesting uh, introspective look at how Queen Elizabeth. You know, just the first season is kind of how Queen Elizabeth uh, came to be queen and what it means for her to navigate the the politics and rural society and whatnot mm-hmm. yeah um i've just been um sort of catching up and not even catching up but uh sort of dabbling with the boys uh season two of the boys i think we may have mentioned that uh, once before i know oh Actually, yeah, now that you mention it, I forgot. Yeah, I've watched all of season two now. I haven't seen all of season two, but I'm partway through, and I'm really, really enjoying this season. Uh, um, it's, for for one, it's just a pure, like, I don't know if it's fair to say, like, sort of testosterone sort of binge, like the just gory action and uh, violence. Uh, I mean, that's... It's probably not something that's uh, uh, necessarily seen as like virtuous in television, but but they are very good at it. And uh, oh. but also, uh, of course, the sort of theme of the show is the dark side of you know superheroes, the ugly underbelly, the business, the uh, corruption. The humanity of superheroes. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I mean, it's in full display. This this is a show where the producers essentially are just. It's. It's a flex. Like I mean, they're telling their story, and I mean to a very very high level. <laughs> Uh, what, what you were saying before about you know the the gory nature of it, I was thinking during season two, just uh, I, how often uh, people just ended up covered in blood. Yeah. Uh, most of the time when people die in the show, uh, they don't die silently. They die uh, with you know, an explosion of some kind. I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of shock. Sort of, it's not like horror shock. It's just gore and I mean have you do you it's not a plot spoiler but would you like to see a boat a, a speedboat impale a whale I, I was wondering if you had seen that episode <laughs> yeah yeah that was a that was a creative episode <laughs> huh, what, what would happen if you did that well I guess we know now and I, I guess what do you say they do what do you call it it's uh, when they subvert they subvert the entire uh, sort of expectation of what you think a superhero is or should be or would ex- like the John it's completely just turns it on its side uh, and it's just interesting to watch it's well it it, it applies the it, it takes you know the, the idea of superheroes and it just applies it you know literally into the real world i mean if, right. if this if the world we live in had superheroes it'd probably go down much the same as in that show unfortunately uh not not great probably well That's it follows a... it follows kind of the basic idea of um you know uh 
power corrupts and the ultimate power ultimately corrupts. So mm -hmm. if you were given that kind of power, would, would you, you know, you would kind of lose the, uh, the idea of objective morality and, and probably turn into a bit of a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. And a very, very good casting also. I mean, uh, I mean, it's, uh, Carl Urban at his best. And, uh, I really, I do like Lazlon. So, uh, he's, mother's milk uh, there's a new new character in season two uh stormfront uh um which kind of uh, is interesting because uh, she's portrays uh, as a superhero who uh comes from uh kind of our neck of the woods here in the pacific northwest i believe she was found in the puget sound area or discovered in the puget sound area so I haven't seen any of season two yet, just because I've sworn that I will, uh, I will only watch one show with Giancarlo Esposito. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> in it at a time. Well, let's let's save some time for that. Uh, that is how you say his name, right? Yeah, yeah. We want to save plenty of time for that, but I also wanted to mention uh, um, the show that I'm sh sure I don't know. I shouldn't say I'm sure. I don't know if you guys have watched, but I'm sure that uh, everyone in the listening audience has probably watched uh, The Queen's Gambit. Yeah, I haven't I have, seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. It's It's been, like, virtually never one on Netflix for, like, a month running. Like, it's, it's uncanny. Uh, I mean, people uh, everywhere are just talking about this show, and rightly so. It's, it's, it's very... Uh, it's pretty subtle in how it connects to people because it doesn't uh, fit the sort of stereotype or fit the mold of what like modern television uh, does to captivate people it's not uh, it's not flashy it's not uh, not particularly exciting or bold or you know groundbreaking but somehow it must be that it just sort of fits this moment in time where people need something that's sort of comforting and more I don't know if it's the right word but more tender um, there's a number of so, sorry go ahead I was going to ask is this so is, is that is it a is it a feel good show is it happy uh, or is it depressing or a little bit of a little bit of both because it's um it takes place the show i'll just give you a quick primer the show is about a young lady uh, who sort of has a tough lot in life she loses her parents in a car crash and she's uh, lives in an orphanage for most of her childhood um, and you know the sort of the things that you would think uh, would become obstacles become obstacles uh not having good sort of social skills and um just a lot of obstacles in this young lady's life but she eventually and there's people who along the way who you would think would maybe in like a tv show in 2020 would be bad people like 
you know, she goes down to the uh, light, light spoilers. Uh, she has a relationship, but a healthy one, with the janitor at the orphanage. And um, she essentially discovers that she likes playing chess and that she's very good at it. And although I'm not all the way through the series, the rest of the show is essentially sort of vignettes in her life uh, about, I don't know, growing up as a young woman, uh, um, becoming uh, very good at chess. Uh, it's It feels like it's based on a true story and you want, really kind of want it to be based on a true story, but it's not. It's based on a novel, which is, I believe, just a regular you know, fiction novel. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's not one of these things that's de meant to depress you. And, you know, it sort of has a bit of, a bit of suspense because some of the episodes are about her playing chess in the tournament, but they don't, they don't try to teach you chess. They don't expect you to learn uh, chess if you don't already know it. It just has just the right amount of sort of exposition to not be like preachy or technical, but to tell you, you know, like you can sort of the you know one point in the story, like maybe her mother sort of like the audience avatar, like oh I don't understand any of this. What does it all mean? You know, <laughs> and then she sort of explains it to her in like you know layman's kind of terms, and uh, it's just a it's very sweet show and it's the young lady who plays uh, Beth Elizabeth uh, Anya Taylor-Joy uh, is just really really good so would you describe the show as sort of like the opposite of uh, the Tiger King oh yeah yeah no it is <laughs> uh, I, I, I did a, I don't know if you guys saw I did a I retweeted a poll that I put out on uh, my personal Twitter I retweeted it using the uh, show that Twitter account and I uh, asked what was the essential watching uh, for 2020 and I managed to get a few uh, votes uh, let me see if I can pull up the poll results um, uh, let me find my poll results did you guys uh, see this poll or, or no yeah, I saw it. Okay. Um, I think I got uh, um, maybe 10 or 11 votes. Um, so the poll said, most essential watching of the past 12 months, Tiger King, Queen's Gambit, Flora's Lava, or The Mandalorian. And uh, do you guys uh, have a vote for any of the above? Essential watching? The most essential like show to watch the past 12 months i mean i would have a, a feeling uh well i'd i'd vote for the mandalorian yeah yes. yeah, yeah that's yeah. the one i would vote for <laughs> yeah i think the one for me like i think i would vote it's meant to be vague when you put a poll like this out like the criteria because i think I, the show that i would not want to miss the most is the mandalorian but i think to like be in 2020 and be culturally like up to date i think you might have to be the tiger king more more so than anything else because if you don't know the references or 
sort of the story, you're just going to be lost at some point in, in time. Because... Uh, no, I, I disagree, Jesse. If you want to be culturally relevant these days, you have to be caught up with The Floor is Lava. I mean, uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen that show, I just don't know how you function these days. I don't know. That might be the most fun show out of all these shows, though. <laughs> did you, Actually, did you guys... for me, that's the most irritating show because some of those teams just... Oh, yeah. What the heck are they you guys, thinking? You guys didn't watch... Did you, you watch it? Did you watch The Floor is Lava, Joash? I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen a couple of oh. episodes, yeah. How, how do you watch a couple episodes but not watch all of them? Well, because there's other things that I want to yeah. watch. No, that wasn't a, meant to be a criticism. That was meant to be more like an indictment of my television watching habits. That, that, that show grates on you. I mean, I, I watch a single episode and then I just, most of the time, I, I just get frustrated because very rarely is there a team on that show that I care if they win because just so yeah i think that's i think that's the point because if they had a uh, if they put like constantly teams that were successful like they would have to like take them off the air because uh the point is you're supposed to see somebody bouncing their head off of a styrofoam uh uh globe and then landing in like this red kool-aid you know like I, I do. The thing I like most about that show is the is the editing. When somebody falls in the lava, you never fall. see them again. Yeah, yes. uh, I dead. like that part. <laughs> yeah, it's. it's uh, I thought it was funny, but anyway. Uh, so it's been, we've we've rested, we've danced around the the uh, topic a little bit and referenced it a couple of times already. So uh, we say let's talk about the Mandalorian. Time. But first, but first, what are you drinking? Oh, beer, I guess. Uh, more specifically, Claim 52 Westside India Pale Ale. Claim 52? Where did you get that? I've never heard of that one. You've never heard of Claim 52? Uh, well, I got it from Cheap Charlie's, the local bottle shop. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'm very bad at remembering the other beers a company makes when I'm put on the spot. But Right. Uh, they're an Oregon brewery uh, oh, okay. somewhere. So at least like, I think they are. Or maybe it's just the hops that are from... I'll look it up real quick. Claim 52. Joe Asher, are you still on the uh, wagon, so to speak? On the wagon? Yes. I'll be on the wagon until uh, January. Okay. That's good. Uh, are you uh, drinking, like, a strawberry lemonade? or? Right now I'm drinking water. Oh, that's good. But, uh, I'm glad but... for you. Very healthy. <laughs> I'm trying. Well, the nice thing is uh, part of my Christmas presents is I'll be getting some barware, so I'll be able to make myself a nice old-fashioned pretty soon. Nice. And while Jamie's, you, uh, while Jamie's finishing his research, uh, I have a uh, full sale brewing company, uh, Wreck the Halls Double IPA. Uh, it's uh, obviously Wreck the. It's obviously a Christmas or a winter themed uh, beer, um, and I thought it was appropriate because this year, uh, obviously more than probably most years, I think there's a trend to begin. Uh, preparing and decorating and, and getting ready for the holidays <laughs> a little sooner uh, than normal maybe just out of our desire to have something comforting just, as opposed to yeah. something bad something comforting to celebrate and whatnot. yeah 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 so or, or to accelerate or to accelerate the feeling of getting the year over with as soon yeah as possible yeah that too so i've been, I've been drinking my uh i've got probably four maybe four to five different varieties of uh winter ale or holiday ale 
that I picked up uh, on a recent trip to Costco. Uh, so this is uh, what I'm having tonight, Wreck the Halls from Full Sail. It's a nice, uh, nice sort of traditionally, traditional kind of bal well-balanced uh, double IPA. Um, but it's uh, does have a uh, nice kind of seasonal feel to it. That's cool. Um, oh, I can tell you that Claim 52 is based in Eugene. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of... I'm looking at their tap list, trying to think of what their most famous one would be. Maybe none of them are famous uh, outside of Oregon. Um, but they make some stuff I want to try. Well, I'll have to look at it sometime. I have not heard of them before, so I don't think... Uh... I don't even, yeah, I'll have to look into that one. I thought I knew most of the breweries from Oregon. I never heard of that one. Well, I can tell you that if you go to the website and click on uh, Contact Us, you'll see a lovely picture of uh, two brewers uh, in the process of brewing some beer, uh, both of whom are wearing those inflatable uh, Tyrannosaurus uh, costumes. Hmm. That seems nice. perfectly nice. healthy, perfectly normal. Oh, sure. I mean, uh, it's Oregon, so uh, I'm surprised other breweries don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we covered basically everything. Uh, it's time to turn our focus to what everyone's focused on. So as of tonight, uh, four episodes of season two of The Mandalorian are out. Have we all watched them? Yes. yes. Well, I mean, I have. Yep, I've seen Well, I, I just finished watching the latest one before this recording. Um, so, uh, I guess we haven't talked about season two yet this year, or maybe we did, and I can't remember. We may have just so, briefly done like a preview or sort of, a, you know, what, what we're anticipating. But So yeah. we can either, we can talk about the current, the, the latest episode or just the whole season, uh, whichever. Yeah, we could do both. Uh, the uh, interesting, there's so much to talk about because, uh, I mean, we love this show and, and it's, uh, we kind of know what it is. I mean, uh, it has a lot that's going to reveal to us, but we know how the showrunners like to give the show to us in little sort of episode vignettes and tidbits, the side quest of the week, so to speak. But, right. Um, but my question that I think is uh, burning and must be answered is: uh, Is there a Babies R Us in the outer rim? <laughs> because uh, it seems like just about every week, uh, Babies, uh, the child's uh, little carrier crib floaty thing gets destroyed and uh it seems like every week he's just got a brand new one to float in well uh i mean after the last time it was destroyed it hasn't resurfaced so i don't think he's i don't think he, he's visited uh younglings are us in the star wars universe yet yeah yeah maybe uh, um, maybe he'll get another one though soon i think one of the most you know the, it's interesting you, you you kind of talk about some of the stuff that we feel like we're going to get a reveal on 
Um, and, you know, obviously we're all interested in finding out more about whatever species the child is and Yoda and, and so it's interesting because one of the things I think we've learned is that their metabolism <laughs> yeah, is it's very hungry, incredible, which you wouldn't think based on how slow they grow. What have we seen? But, yeah, and what happens? I mean, well, okay. So you've, you've opened a can of worms here, Josh, which, <laughs> which coincidentally, uh, the child would be more than happy would, to would help be, you uh, by eating. Do right. <laughs> but what have we seen the child eat this episode this year, uh, this season? So far, it's uh, ate the gruel from uh, episode three, like the gruel with the little floaty. Squid. Oh, that, that that was like that was like some sort of uh, chowder, I think they called it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've seen him also eat a whole bunch of uh, very nearly ready to hatch uh, sort of frog eggs. Yeah, sentient frog eggs. I was gonna say, is he a murderer now? No, because they weren't fertilized. Remember? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, well maybe the uh, maybe that species' ethical boundaries are one of the last things to develop. Uh, right, uh, a whole. It looks like like a whole package of cookies, like macarons, uh, or at least half half of whatever was remaining. Right. Um, In that same episode that he ate the frog, oh, the spider, like, like he yeah, ate the spider he did, egg yeah. or whatever. Um, and then. Probably something else in the like first or second episodes that I didn't really pay attention to, but uh, yeah, he's really getting his grub on. He he eats something every episode. What? And I don't. I was also going to say, what happens? Where does all the go? I mean, uh, you never see like he doesn't carry a diaper bag. Well, they know that the. uh, Razor Crest has a toilet on board. Right, but they never reference him having to be like changed. Maybe, uh, maybe he's maybe he has learned how to use the facilities. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's fifty years old. He's got to learn at some point. Yeah, maybe that's one of those force powers that never get shown in the movies. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what do we think about like? Is there? Uh, I mean, we haven't. I don't know if we've done a lot of spoiler kind of stuff, like people who watch. I don't know the expanded universe. I guess. Uh, so this season, uh, we've just been introduced to uh, uh, what was the other Mandalorian's name? I forgot already. Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, yeah. Um, Bo-Katan. Yeah, part of the Night Owls, I believe. Night Owls. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Night, I, yeah. Night something. Yeah. And we know that the man, the Mando is looking for um, looking a for Jedi. Anakin's uh, apprentice. What was her? I, 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 I've Ahsoka watched Tano. Yeah, Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano. Tano. Yeah, I've seen all, all the stuff. I just had not uh, <laughs> not retained the the names. Yeah. Um, so so they've really gone to great lengths to attach this to the expanded universe uh specifically dave filoni's kind of that what he's been heading up um 
with the with the cartoons. Yeah, the or, Clone Wars. The, um, Star uh, Wars Rebels, I think, also. It's it's yeah, Rebels. And then uh, resistance. There's one, is it, is it, yeah, resistance. That's resistance. The one, yeah. That's the other one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, oh. I was just going to ask: Do you want to do you want to speculate at all as to where they're going with the origins and you know, sort of what both the origins of the child and of the remnants of the empire uh, interest in the child at all? Well, the latest episode, episode four, uh, had some interesting uh, tidbits that shed some light on that. Did you catch how, uh, towards the end of the episode, that uh, hologram of the doctor that was interested in the child in season one yes. referenced his M count? Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm not. I'm glad they, they called it M count and didn't and didn't you know, elaborate. Hopefully, they never mention that ever again. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it's basically uh, they're they're building they're trying to make force sensitive clones. Um, now, what I want to know is. Uh, I think I've asked this before, but I forgot. Uh, the Mandalorian, where does that take place in, in relation time-wise to the uh, the sequel trilogy? So after the second Death Star, uh, was the was the second Death Star destroyed in the Battle of Yavin? Is that, uh, uh, Battle of Endor. Oh, Battle of Yavin, Endor. Yavin, Yavin, Yavin was Four first. was the first one. Okay, yeah. so so after the Battle of Endor. But before uh, the Force Awakens is the yeah. timeline. I, I want to say it is. I think it's supposed to be like six four, or seven years. Yeah, I, f f I was gonna say four to eight, but yeah, somewhere between there. It's been less than ten years, but but a so few the, years after the Battle of Endor. So the Mandalorian takes place, let's just say, give or take, about ten years before Episode Nine. Uh, let's see, Episode Nine was that's. That's the, uh, the the rise of Skywalker. No, because Episode Nine was quite a way, quite a while after. Maybe that. fifteen, twenty years. At any rate, whatever the time frame is, it look. Uh, I wonder what the connection is between those Force-sensitive clones from Episode Four, The Mandalorian, and I don't care. I'm not going to give a spoiler alert to the uh, resurrection of the Emperor in Rise of Skywalker. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, another thing that I was curious about regarding the timeline is from how it's funny that they referenced uh, in, I think, the very first episode of season one that the child is 50 years old. And that was just sort of a, I wouldn't say like a throwaway line, but it was said by Warner Herzog's character, who was a agent of the essentially an agent of uh, uh, of the empire or the remnants of the empire and people have been trying to trace back you know back date back date back date what 50 years ago would have been and some sort of uh, enthusiasts have gotten it to be right around the same exact time that Master Yoda would have gone. I think in one of the prequels, he said that he was going to that planet Camino to find out what was going on with the clones or whatever. 
Oh, you think it's a clone of Yoda? So some people, there's a theory out there. I don't think I support this theory necessarily, but it's a, a theory that exists uh, that, uh, that that 50 years ago lines up exactly with when uh, Master Yoda went to Camino, And it, yes, maybe they uh, surreptitiously sort of uh, stole his genetic material and cloned him. Um, the only I don't ha I don't have anything that would disprove that, but the only thing I would say is that basing it on that they said that the child was fifty years old neither confirms nor necessarily precludes that from being the case. Because, but but one does have to wonder how would when he says he's fifty years old, does that mean he knows for a fact that he's exactly fifty years old, or? Is he just sort of guessing? I mean, does he know his birthday? Uh, or does that's, he know yeah. his origin and just that's why he knows? Or, you know, like maybe he's 46 well, years old or maybe he's 52 <laughs> years old. I mean, when you say, you know, you're just kind of spitballing, you know? like Right. It's not like he has Is, a... He's not carrying around ID. <laughs> would it be more accurate to say he's in his 50s? Right, Exactly. Um, it's interesting uh, to answer one of the kind of the, one of the questions we had earlier. So, Mandalorian is five years after Return of the Jedi, and um, the Rise of Skywalker is thirty years after. So, that's kind of just to help out with the timeline a little bit there. Um, one of the things that was interesting to me is that I wonder if this is going to connect with the. Um, most recent trilogy in the sense that I'm pretty sure that all of the stormtroopers of the First Order it's the First Order, right? Yeah. In all the, the Final Storm Order. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. the stormtroopers of the First Order are Force sensitive. I really uh, think that's what they were getting at. All of them? Yes. What about just the ones in the red armor, the, the so-called Sith troopers from hmm. episodes? Well, uh, uh, wait, what, what, was that was that was that eight or was that nine? I forget now. Well, I, the, I, I never picked up on that. How 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 was that enumerated? Or so they were wearing red and they were guarding Snoke. No, I meant that all of this. Like, you know, I agree with that part, but I meant uh, he's wondering where where I'm getting that notion. Oh from, yeah, basically. Um, so. Obviously, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that, um, uh, oh, just a second, sorry. <coughs> sorry, had to get a little thing in my throat. That um, Finn was Force-sensitive, and that that's what he was trying to communicate to um, Ray, Ray mm -hmm. during the, during the, uh, the, Rise of Skywalker. And what's interesting is, you know how he meets up with other um, people who defected from mm -hmm. the First Order on the planet where the leftovers of the second Death Star are? and Or was it the first one? I can't remember. One of the Death Stars. And as... And so he kind of joins up with them and then they help in the fight... Uh, in the final fight and you know they get on those kind of weird 
large goat horse things and ride along the yep. one of the uh, star destroyers. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they're they're uh, Finn and the um, woman who's kind of leading the rest of the defecting First Order stormtroopers start talking, and they talk and and Finn says, "Why did you defect? What made you stop wanting to be a member of the First Order?" And she talks about how she doesn't know quite how it happened, but her and her fellow First Order members were were given an order, and they all just felt like they needed to stop. And so they put their guns down and defected. Hmm. And Finn says, that's what happened to me too. And that to me is just uh, that's a weird implication of some sort of like like force sensitivity sure kind of thing going on and so i'm wondering if because it's not just that uh the clones are being made with uh with the uh, clones going back to this most recent episode of the mandalorian it's also talking about how there's blood transfusions into a living host that they were alive and then they became malformed. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. They weren't clones, were they? They were volunteers or yeah, exactly. subjects or whatever. Well, he called them volunteers, in right. quotes. <laughs> and so uh, that's what makes me wonder if maybe they're, they eventually get to the place where they kidnap children and, you know, through a through some sort of medical process with you know, are able to imbue force sensitivity on them, something along those lines, whatever the case may be. I'm just, I'm kind of spitballing here, but obviously they're trying to pass on or, you know, give living people the ability to be force sensitive with the child's blood. Well, I don't know if that's where they're going with it or not, but I I hope it is because, uh, and this is, I know this is, uh, you know, rehashing old wounds, but with the sequel trilogy... Uh, it was clear that on some level they're entertaining this idea in episode 7 with, with Finn and then it just never really materialized in episode 8 and was kind of scrapped or something uh, and it would have been nice to have had a, a sequel trilogy that explored that further the, the idea of a force sensitive stormtrooper, perhaps a whole bunch of force sensitive stormtroopers and the implications of that so I, I, I mean I don't know um I don't know uh, how far they're going to go down that with the with the Mandalorian, but I, I I for one would like to see it. Yeah, I I I definitely think that we're being set up with some sort of. Uh, I I I feel like. I wonder if at some point there's going to be. Uh, a, the story is going to branch somewhat. Um. Because like, because obviously right now we have a singular story, which is Mando and the child. But I wonder if at some point the child is going to go off with Ahsoka Tano to be raised and trained in the ways of the Jedi, and the man and Mando's going to go off with Bo-Katan and some of the other Mandalorians that are looking to reclaim the dark saber and and reclaim uh, yeah. the 
world Mandalore? of Mandalore. Yeah, that would have to exactly. be a delicate balancing act that uh, Disney uh, plays because they can't afford to take the child away from the, the TV show for, for very long. <laughs> and the TV show is called The Mandalorian. So yeah. So it, it, to me, uh, that would be a very, if they could pull it off, that'd be a great way to broaden the show. Um, and it would be something that has been done in another show that I, I think I might be the only one that watches this, but, uh, but a show I watched called uh, Better Call Saul, where the show presumably and started out being a show about Saul, Saul Goodman, Better Call Saul. Uh, but then within, before the end of the first season, but then from thence on, uh, the show had essentially parallel plot lines, uh, the Saul sort of plot line, and then the other plot line, which occasionally sort of have little strands that connect them and intersect, but they're two different plot arcs entirely. Um, and if they could do that with this show, still the Mandalorian has this very, you know, a very strong plot arc, but then keep the the child, <laughs> because I think, I think at one time yet last season, uh, I might have expressed uh, uh, potentially uh, in jest uh, doing violence on the. Uh, CEO CEO of uh, of Disney if they did anything to the to the child yes I, think... I don't know you sounded pretty serious at the time <laughs> so yeah that's uh, I mean you know we all have a lot of uh, invested in in this show uh, uh, they they've done a lot of interesting things I mean how they've decided that the you know the structure of the show is going to be this sort of side quest to them like because this it's very clear that they have you know they've storyboarded out a season and there's like one particular like every episode it's just like the clock moves like you know one tick they're going oh okay the next tick is um we discover the other mandalorians and we're not going to do anything else in that tick. We're going to discover there's other Mandalorians and, and, you know, reveal just a little bit about it. But that's as far as it goes. And then they give you this, they give you the idea that, oh, maybe next week we're going to find out so much more. Like, you know, it's, uh, we're going to meet uh, Ahsoka Tano and we're going to find the other Mandalorians and discuss, you know, and that's all going to happen in next week's episode because this week's episode makes me feel that way, you know. <laughs> uh, and then well, the next yeah. episode comes along, and no, we're basically going to uh, get the ship worked on. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that that's true for the major plot point certainly, but there's a uh, there, there's clues being given in every episode as to what's where they're going with this. Like for sure. example, in the uh, episode where he goes to that planet. The, the water planet and meets up with the uh, the night owls. Uh, I forget the name of the planet now, but anyway, we learned that the remnants of the empire. Uh, what, I forget what they're calling them now, but uh, they're shipping weapons off to wherever um, off Gideon is. 
And so why are they you know, needing all these weapons? What are they doing? Well, they're, they're definitely building something. And now the latest episode, uh, uh, did you see at the very end, you know, Moff Gideon was standing in a, like a hallway lined with these black suits? Yeah, it looked like some elite soldiers that had been made, basically. Well, I don't know if there's anybody in those suits. It looked like a refrigerated hallway, so maybe, but... Uh, isn't there a term for the stormtroopers that wear black, like death troopers or yeah. elite stormtroopers or something? It, they're death troopers, yeah. So it looks like, you know, what, you know, and then, of course, there's the whole, you know, force-sensitive, you know, volunteering experiment stuff, so... We know that they're building, you know, they want to build an army, so that does tie into what you were saying, Joe Ash, about maybe they're trying to build a force-sensitive army, but... Um, I mean, they're definitely building up to something. So, yeah, uh, the, the primary focus is the Mandalorian babysitting the child, but we're also are, are learning that there's other you know stuff happening. And um, do we think do we think there will be an episode? Because they uh, clearly, like I said, they clearly have like a structure that they like to follow by, uh, where each episode, like you said, they reveal a clue. Uh, they move the plot along, you know, sort of, I wouldn't say at a glacier's pace, but but they move it along a little bit at a time just because obviously they need to, you know, have other episodes and have other seasons. But um, do we think that, uh, you know, and every episode, of course, contains lots of fluff. It contains character development and contains, you know, a little bit of humor and uh, kind of faux suspense, I guess you would say. Uh, because we know the, the characters, at least at this point, our main characters may struggle, but we're not going to uh, lose them. Um, uh, do we think that uh, this season will have a uh, be another one of those ones where a lot of questions get answered uh, by the end of the season, or they keep everything sort of a mystery still? Like, how far do we think it goes? Well, my uh, my impression of The Mandalorian is it's a show that focuses primarily on, uh, I guess you can call it world building, or just, you know, just letting you see you know what the Star Wars universe looks like. Uh, yeah, there's there's the there's the main plot and some clues and all that stuff, but it's really just exposing, you know, the, the you know the, the world of Star Wars. And as for like whether they're going to answer everything. Well, not everything, but I do feel like just like season one, season two is going to wrap up in a satisfying way, but, you know, obviously with still more to more to do. I wonder if at any point we're going to get a cameo by Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hmm. That's good. Because question. he's he's connected to Ahsoka Tano and um, Bo-Katan. And obviously, um, he's he's gonna have his own series at some point. So, so like a Force Ghost sort of like thing? No, because he's alive right now. Uh, it's only five years after. But he died. Oh no, in episode... wait, he is dead. Yeah. Maybe a Force Ghost thing then. I don't know. Uh, Maybe yeah. not. I was. I. I'm sorry. My. Yeah, I, I was thinking about crossed. that too because. Um... But, but they are still working on the Obi-Wan series, right? I mean, there was a yeah. setback. But, um... My other big question is, in episode, I think it was episode two where we were, in ta we were on Tatooine and we had that kind of like, ooh, Boba Fett's armor, but it's not Boba Fett right. moment. Yeah. 
And then at the end of the episode, I don't know if you guys caught it. Remember there's that guy that mm -hmm. watched the Mando speeder away, and then he turns around and walks off screen at the very end. He's bald. I think that was episode one of this season. Was that episode one? Okay. Wasn't it the Crate Dragon episode? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he turns around and walks away. Did anyone catch that that is the actor that plays um, Jet? Is it Jetta Fett or Jet Fett? Django Fett. Django Fett. Who plays Django Fett? Yes. And is also the voice of all the clones and everything like that. So do we think that that's the grown-up Boba Fett? Well, um, one theory is that it's uh, Captain Rex, who is a uh, who is a Fett clone from the Clone yeah. Wars. Right. Uh, who'd be pretty old, so I, don't, I didn't catch how old that guy looked, but it could be him. To me, that may, it seems like that might be Boba Fett. Uh, yeah, Age-wise, it would match up better, I would think. That would mean that Boba Fett escaped the Sarlacc pit. Right. Well, his armor got out somehow. Uh, yes. It could have gotten out. It couldn't it have gotten out. To, wait, how long did C-3PO say that uh, the Sarlacc would digest his prey? For many years. A thousand There's, years. Right. A thousand years is what But we did see that, I mean, Mando went into that dragon in his armor and flew out. So, And he had that corrosive stuff that he was spitting out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, the armor could have gotten out the other end of the thing, but no, that wouldn't work because uh, that would take a thousand years. So, yeah, I guess Boba Fett did get out of the Sarlacc somehow. Um, I'm just... Yeah, there's, there's a, there is a speculation out there that that's uh, exactly what it is, uh, Boba Fett, the guy. Although if Boba Fett got out, he would have gotten out with his armor because he wouldn't have lost it inside the Sarlacc. And then at some point after he got out, he would have lost his armor. But since he's a Mandalorian, he would have made it his primary uh, goal to get his armor back. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. It, I mean, it's something. It's yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it that's one option. Yeah. Or or it, it could be any of it could be any of the clones, any it, of Django's clones. It, it, one other question. Um, I mean, we have to do this all night, but um, why do you suppose Moff Gideon is interested or? Uh, has the dark saber and wants to have the dark saber and what it means to it. like he's an imperial essentially sort of like an maybe an ambitious imperial general or uh, i mean what good is it to him <laughs> i wonder well, go ahead well i, I uh, haven't watched all of the clone wars uh, i know that there is in one of those uh, shows, there was uh, one or more episodes about the fall of Mandalore, and and the and then it featured Bo-Katan and the dark saber and whatnot. And I'm not sure what happened to it in that show, but isn't it true that the uh, dark saber is the basically indicates who leads the Mandalorians? Yes, it is the symbol of who leads the Mand uh, the Mandalorians. Who who is the Mandalore? Whoever is the dark saber is the. It's kind of like it's kind of like the um, Thor's hammer. Uh, he who possesses the power of or holds his hammer possesses the power of Thor or something. Yeah, but in exactly. the in the in those animated series, uh, the Empire, you know, you know, I, I think the Empire basically attacked Mandalore and there was a huge fight and then they decided they couldn't rule it so they tried to destroy it or, or something to that uh, to, on those lines. Why do they want it in the first place? The um, best car? They, 
this, the Beskar. Exactly. Because that's the only place that produces Beskar steel. I mean, it, it could ultimately boil down to that. Perhaps Gideon is a former Mandalorian or was simply in the right place at the right time and killed the, whoever had the Darksaber at the time. I, again, I don't know mm-hmm. where... where Anyway, I lost track of so, it at some point. So Bo-Katan had the Darksaber throughout most of Clone Wars. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I think Rogue, too. And then eventually she gave it to um, whoever the the queen was of the Mandalorians. Because there was two sects of Mandalorians at that time. There was the the one that didn't want to be kind of the way of the warrior and ultra-violent, and then there was the Death Watch, which is eventually what split off into what um, into what uh, Mando is, because he was rescued by the Death Watch as a child. Oh yeah, didn't the Night Owls call them like uh, purists or... Um... Zealots, basically, I think. Like religious, yeah, something like that. Religious zealots, yeah, because you know, they're like, oh, you're one of those, kind of thing. Um... So, she gave the dark saber to the the queen. I think the queen leader of Mandalorian, and we don't know what happened to it from there. But that's why Bo-Katan wants to reclaim it because she wants to be Mandalore and then reclaim Mandalore, and, and you know that's that whole thing. So Gideon's interest could simply be the best car, or uh, it could be something more than that. I, I mean, wonder. It, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to speculate. I mean, if, if he is going to, you know, trying to make a bunch of Force-sensitive stormtroopers, uh, having them wear uh, armor that uh, isn't it, in addition to blaster resistant, isn't it also lightsaber resistant? Yes. Hmm. I did not I catch mean, that one. That's cool. That'd make them even more invincible. Really basically. cool. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's so valuable, uh, is, is its resistance to... Uh, to lightsabers and and blaster bolts and things. I think the other thing is, um, I think Gideon seems to me just in the brief moments that we had him that he's he's very much someone who believes in the power of symbols and authority, and so just having the dark saber may make him seem more like kind of a Darth Vader emperor figure, uh, in the sense of owning a lightsaber of some kind. And there's a part of me that wonders if maybe he isn't hoping that once they perfect the, hmm. uh, the transmission of blood, a, that may be a Force-sensitive person. Yeah. I still wonder, though, if there's some connection to the resurrection of the Emperor in Episode Nine. Uh, if, if, if maybe, maybe Gideon isn't aware of it even, but maybe something about what he's doing is some uh, ploy by the... I don't know what state the Emperor would be in at this time, but uh, apparently not dead. Uh, but maybe it's uh, just one piece of the puzzle to you know bring the Emperor back. Well, we don't know where all the Emperor's horcruxes are, so... Oh, wait, I'm <laughs> sorry, that's a wrong, wrong, wrong series. Uh, I do know, though, that at some point, if uh, we, uh, Ahsoka Tano is going to be in The Mandalorian. It may not be till the last episode of the season, but it'll be at some point. And when, once that happens, we'll finally get to see some lightsaber uh, action in in this thing. Hmm. Or wait, wait, have we seen a lightsaber yet? The uh, dark saber we saw. Just the dark saber. Nothing outside of that. 
Yeah, and something, I mean, the Darksaber is obviously different from a lightsaber, not just in appearance, but in some other ways, too. I mean, it's a flat thing. Uh, but yeah, I want to see a lightsaber fight. Don't know if we'll get that, but mm -hmm. Ahsoka Tano is supposed to have, she's supposed to wield two lightsabers, so looking uh, forward to that. Two white lightsabers. Right, because she uh, technically isn't a Jedi, at least not anymore. No, she's more of a um, kind of a free she's agent. More of a, a gray, like a a gray Jedi or kind a gray a, knight. Basically. What do you call it? A um, somebody who's a soldier of fortune, sort of <laughs> like a, yeah, somebody who's not really doesn't have necessarily have an allegiance, but has a code of ethics, maybe. I mean, I think she has an allegiance, but it's not to, uh, it's to the Force. Right. Not to the light side or the dark side, but to the Force. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, she was, uh, she is more of a character closer to what I was hoping Rey would become in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Something other than either a Sith or a Jedi, just something different, like something in between, I don't know. Yeah, something who saw the stringency of both sides and kind of said, I think there this is a false dichotomy and there's a there's a third option. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to having her in the show. Hopefully it's not just like a one time thing. Hopefully she's that was that was an inspired um uh sort of comment Joe Ashley you just made about there what? being uh it's not uh either this or that there's more than two options <laughs> well but, i mean uh, it, it it's been something that a lot of people have talked about because there's been hints of there being gray jedi and that the original you know there's the whole idea that the jedi that you see in the in the prequels are kind of this very legalistic uh pompous self-important uh group of legislators or lawmakers or law bringers, I guess, yes. and couldn't see, you know, the trees through the forest or the forest through the trees. So yeah, so, the, yeah. The, nature, the nature of science fiction or fantasy to portray everything as, like you said, either or, uh, but nothing in between. And then uh, as Star Wars, as sort of an allegory to the, I don't know, evils of big government or fascism uh, uh, it, it, it dangerously borders on something I shouldn't be talking about on this podcast so <laughs> uh, I was just thinking that your comment uh, about there being more than two choices uh, was uh, was both inspired and uh, um, insightful and apropos <laughs> oh thank you yeah. Yeah, Josh. Uh, you you got to knock that stuff off. We can't be talking about that. Sorry. Stuff. Sorry. That's right. That's 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 a that, that topic borders on being important. So needless. Let's to, talk about how cool the lightsabers are again. Needless. That, that, that's, that's safer. Needless to say, uh, we are all eagerly anticipating more uh, of the season to come, and you know we're going to enjoy watching it. But I was wondering, is there anything else uh, besides? Uh, I mean, we're. We're, we've arrived at that time of year where, at least for me, this is the time of year when I begin to sort of, well, I don't put them on a calendar, but this is the time of year where I watch the movies that I watch every year without fail um, because it's yes. the holidays. So I watch movies at the holidays. And there's ones that I watch every year without fail. Uh, but is there anything else, you know, other than knowing that we're approaching that part of the year, is there anything else that's 
coming up that everybody is thinking they are excited for, excited about, TV shows, events, uh, anything? I'm excited for January because I can start drinking again. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got the number of, uh, you're marking down the days, you're at like 41 yeah, days. Yeah, I, I have a different advent calendar than everyone else does. <laughs> Wait, does days, that does that go into effect on New Year's Day, Josh? Uh, I, it's not really set in stone, but probably somewhere around there. It was like the beginning of of October that I that I started, and so it's it's a three month break. So beginning of January be will be that time. Mm. Uh, I believe um, I believe I have a delivery out in your neck of the woods uh, coming up this week, so. Uh, I will be stopping by with a breathalyzer to uh, make sure that you're uh, <laughs> abiding. Uh, just you you better sure. check his urine while you're at just it. Just to make sure. Well, so you know how. Well, you know well how, uh, I, I, we, I do that every time I see Joash. So uh, he provides me with a <laughs> yeah. urine sample. So, so uh, for 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 an unrelated reason, um, you know how you know how some cars will have the breathalyzer in it where you have to breathe into it to make it start. Yeah, yeah, the interlock my, device. Yeah, my my computer has that for the power button, so oh, there you go. I'm 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 already I'm already good there. Very well. So looking forward to drinking again, Joe Ash, uh, James. What yes. about you? I'm also looking forward to drinking. Uh, I mean, I'm doing it now, but also More. I'm also going to do it later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. Uh, speaking of that, I've got uh, the ingredients to um, in the house to make hot toddies, which I've never uh, actually made one for myself before. So I'm going to maybe have a hot toddy this year. Oh, I also have eggnog, too. So the, do some hard, you know, spiked eggnog. Mm, wait, uh, hot spiked eggnog? No, hot toddies or spiked eggnog. Both. Both. Not at the same time. Just you could you could mix them together and have hot noddies. <laughs> yeah, hot hot noggies. No, hot noddies. Okay. Are you sure it isn't noggies though? Yeah. Okay. It's a better it's a better name. I'm I'm gonna be stopping by your house, Joash, to make sure that you're not <laughs> having any hot noddies. <laughs> there will be no hot noddies at the uh, at the Bullock household. Wait, what are we talking about? Drinking. Uh, oh, okay. oh, okay. <laughs> what about Phew. you, Jesse? Um, yeah, no, uh, drinking, hot toddies? drinking, drinking. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, hot toddies. That sounded fun. Um, and you know, I do, I do like to have the eight. So this time of year, it's time to get out. I've got out my, uh, um, you know, Clark Griswold uh, moose glassware you know for holiday yeah. drinking yep um so that'll that'll be happening but no i'm just, just curious if there's shows or movies or anything particularly the one that's upcoming for me that i'm interested in seeing is uh the expanse will be dropping soon so but hopefully oh, yeah. I'll, oh, that'll be good hopefully i'll be I... wrapping up uh the boys before that so i can sort of watch the expanse well pretty soon we might be doing a our uh what will become an annual christmas episode watching die hard 2 yes that's uh, something that's been discussed 
Right, because happening. You, you you haven't seen Die Hard two either, have you, Joe? I have not. No. So just like last year, we'll uh, we'll have you watch that. We'll force you to watch it. That's we'll, right. We'll do that thing uh, from A Clockwork Orange. We'll be force your eyes open, <laughs> so you can't blink. Yeah. Miss any of it. And well, then one we'll, of we'll you get your reactions least, to that. Will one of you at least put some some eye drops in my eyes from time to time? Yes. If I can be bothered to remember, yeah. Alrighty. Well, any last words? Um. May the force be with you. This is and, the way. And uh, and the, what did the what did the X-wing pilot say when he said "May the for or after the X-wing pilot said "May the force be with you"? Huh? Oh, I can't remember. In the in the second episode, it was the second episode, right? Um, whoever oh, said yeah, the... whoever said "May the force be with you," uh, the other one replied, "And also with you," which I don't yes. think. I don't think that was ever uh, done before in the previous shows. <laughs> that was uh, that was the Mandalorian. Yeah, he he said that to the X Wing. It was very. Uh, I wouldn't say it wasn't triggering. It was, it was very it was, poignantly reminded me of being in the Catholic Church uh, when yes, they do the. Exactly. Uh, he the, is risen. The, or, when they do the prayers it, no. and the yeah. peace, the giving of peace. Maybe, and, Peace be with you, yeah. and also with you. Yeah. So, so Jesse, if you lived in the Star Wars universe and somebody told you, "May the Force be with you," how would you respond? Thanks. Oh no! No, oh, you're supposed to say the thing. Oh, the thing uh, that you say. Peace out, bitches. There it is. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I have spoken.